and we didn't have that building, you know, until I, I think I left. Yeah, I didn't have the stadium. We got a new stadium and everything. Now. Yeah, I saw pictures. I have it open behind here right yeah. now, the picture in the stadium. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, we, our, our, our field was a dirt you know, until they put that turf down. Welcome, everybody, to the WestCon Football Podcast. Bart Pasterna, along with the coach, Joe Locke, WestCon's formidable coach. We're going to have a very special guest from the former WestCon assistant coaching ranks coming up. But uh, the first things first, we, you know, we've never really on the podcast gone through the, the coaching history of Joe Loth because this is your second tour of duty. At Westcon, you were a former assistant, but there's been, you know, stuff in between that's gone on. So we we want to let people know about the the history of Coach Loth. Yeah, if it was only so easy as starting and stopping at one school, right? <laughs> but we kind of uh, talked last last week about uh, you know how I got into coaching, and then uh, you know talking with Coach Schaefer, you talked about me trying to get a graduate assistant job and stuff. And I was fortunate enough after college of getting a graduate assistant down at SMU, Southern Methodist University uh, in Dallas, a great little school, winning games again. Uh, Before I got there, they were really good in the 1980s. They had the death penalty. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) And then they restarted football, and I was actually there in the early 90s, year three and four. And then from there, I was just a graduate assistant. Then I moved to Western Connecticut as a young coach. I was here for four years. and then from Western Connecticut, I went to Capital University in Columbus, Ohio, for two years, uh, the rival school of Otterbein, where I was an alumni of. Then I left Capital and went to the University of Rhode Island. I was there for a couple of years. And then from University of Rhode Island, I went to Kane University. I was there as the head coach for three years in New Jersey. And then uh, from Kane University, I went to Otterbein University as the head coach at my alma mater, which was a really cool deal for nine years. And then from Otterbein, I came to watch, back to Western Connecticut as the head coach. Well, and how did it feel going back to your your alma mater? Because it, recently, I'll bring up a just very quick example. Recently in college basketball, Thad Matta returned to coaching and is taking over Baylor for another time. And and he, in fact, his wife, his daughter, they've all gone to uh, to Baylor. The former Ohio State coach, Thad Matta. Yeah, it was it was a great experience. You know, anytime is I thought I was going to stay there forever, to be honest. And and we we won a lot of games, and I was pretty successful there. Uh, but just towards the end, you know, when Western Connecticut opened up, and my wife is an uh, alumni of Western Connecticut, and uh, I had been here before as a young coach. They hadn't won a lot of games recently, but I knew we were going to win here. Knew we had a chance to win here. So that's kind of how I ended up at Western Connecticut from Otterbein, but Otterbein, when I was at Kane, uh, we, we started turning things around there. The athletic director at Otterbein called me up, asked me if I'd be interested in coming back to my, to coach where I played. And I was like, that was kind of my dream job at the time. And, uh, so really excited to get going there. Uh, got to turn around in year three. And like I said, we're pretty successful there. And, uh, but it was a great experience. It really was. Well, uh, we're certainly glad you came back to, uh, to Westcon because you've done marvelous things. Uh, with the program, and, uh, you know, it's, look, there have been so many fine individuals who have worked with the football program over the years, but, you know, 
I got happy feet when I found out Joe Loth was coming back. Yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, but you know the funny thing about Otterbein, just kind of going back on that, is if uh, if you play at Western Connecticut, you know I talk about Otterbein still because you got to be proud of where you're from, and Otterbein is kind of a unique sounding school. So some of the guys on the team, obviously, uh, they always kind of laugh at me when I bring up Otterbein just because I bring it up quite a bit. But you got to be proud of where you're from. And I'm also a Western Connecticut alumni now and that I've got my MBA from here, too. So me and my wife are both Western Connecticut grads. See? There you go, kids. And so you have been here, second tour of duty. I'm interested to find out a little bit about since you've been in the coaching game, despite your youth, you've been in the coaching game long enough how have student athletes changed or have they changed at all over the years? You know, everyone says, you know, people, kids have changed. I don't think they've changed at all, personally. You know what I mean? I think kids either want to play football and love playing football and want to prepare. Or there's some kids like, I don't know if this is for me. I really don't think kids have changed that much when it comes to football, you know. And, and uh, I, I don't see – I know everyone probably feels the opposite, but I don't feel there's any difference. Okay. You know, the, I, I always worry because obviously over the years, rules and regulations have changed. Uh, there's more opportunities for, for kids in terms of degrees they can pursue. And so I didn't, well, let's bring it to the recruiting level. Does that as, Recruiting become more difficult as the days have gone on, years have gone on. I don't know if – you know, recruiting has just changed. Like there's way more ways to connect with a kid now. Like we still walk into high schools. We'll take two, three, four weeks a year. Our entire coaching staff will go on the road. We'll walk into five high schools a day, talk to the kids, uh, talk about your school, try to get them to come visit campus. You know, we'll visit a couple hundred kids. And then just how you convince kids to come to school or even sign up for visits or follow up with visits have changed. With social media, like like on Twitter, a lot of kids will contact me on Twitter and all my communications on Twitter, you know, 20 years ago, nobody texted anyone. You know, now texting is a big part of the communication process. A lot of kids, you know, like a lot of people, I think these days don't want to get a phone call. You know, they pick up their phone and like, uh, they'll put it back down, but you text them and they'll text right back. So there's that combination of how do you... You know, how do you communicate with a kid? But if you just text them all the time, there's there's kind of a lack of connectivity there. So I don't know if recruiting's changed that much. I mean, the biggest thing most kids want to know is, hey, this coach wants me to play there. You know, I'm a good fit at the school. So I think it's just how you convince them or how you connect with them is is probably changed. One thing that's changed for the kids, more kids probably have what they call packages as opposed to decade, two decades ago. What do you mean by packages? Ooh, that little uh, video compilation yeah, of what they've done. Well, the biggest change in college football, I think, pro football, probably college football and high school football, is the advent of online video. Like right now, before we go into high school, so take Monroe Woodbury High School in New York, which is one of my schools. We we belong to a thing called Huddle or Huddle Recruit, and I'll look up every single one of their seniors, watch all of their highlight videos. And then I'll go into the school prior. I'll talk to the coach. And I'll say, "Listen, can I see Billy? You know, Billy, Frank, Tom, and and uh, whatever." And those are the kids I talk to in the school. In the old days, you'd walk into the school because you really didn't have video to look at, 
and, and you say to the coach, hey, who should we be talking to? And he'd bring down the kids. So I think that's the biggest change in recruiting for us. And really any any level that any kid at any school can do a highlight film and send it to any coach in the country. So it's 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 really good for the kids to be able to be found that way. I think the other huge thing in football that's changed is you could be a small coach in Idaho at some small high school in Idaho. And in the old days, if you wanted to change your offense or if you wanted to do something different, you had to go to a clinic. Well, you're in Idaho. How are you going to go to a clinic? You had to maybe get some outdated book. And now you can get 10 videos of LSU's 2021 season. You know, the coaches cut end zone, and you can break that down, and you can change your offense. So I think X's and O's have changed dramatically in the last 20 years because everybody has all this access to actual game film, or you can go into an online clinic. So the amount of information for recruiting for coaches, the amount of information for coaches to get better and, and professionally develop this change, that's, that's the biggest change in football that no one even really sees as a fan. For you and your staff, how important is strength and conditioning? Because we always hear those terms, strength and conditioning. There's a strength and conditioning coach or there's a strength and conditioning program in conjunction with the trainers. How important is that? You know, it's it's one of the key components uh, in, in developing a football team. And we're fortunate at Western Connecticut that Mike Lago is our school strength and conditioning coach, and he's got a great – Detailed plan, uh, you know, for every kid. And we always talk about strength conditioning. The first goal of your strength conditioning plan is injury prevention. Like how do you stop your guys from being injured in season by building mass, by building flexibility, by building all those things. So strength conditioning is is huge in a lot of different ways. And you build programs for individuals. So that's pretty good stuff. We kind of like that. Now when we, when we return, we'll talk about a guy who is extra special to Westcon and several programs? We're going to be talking with a guy you worked uh, you worked with many moons ago. Hand in hand, seems like yesterday. Sometimes <laughs> now an NFL assistant, Jim Salgado, joins us in a moment on the Westcon Football Podcast. Back on the Westcon Football Podcast, Bart Pasterna, the ultimate head coach. Joe Loth is with us here and a gentleman who uh, spent some time at Westcon some moons ago, worked with Coach Coach Loth when they were both just, uh, I think, what, 12 or 13 or something like that many moons ago. Jim Salgado <laughs> is here now with the Buffalo Bills. There have been some stops along the way. Coach Salgado, very, very good to see you, sir. Thanks a lot, Bart, uh, and Coach Loth. What's up, Jim? Obviously, for having me on. Uh, this is just when I heard the first one, I saw it. I was just on social media and I saw the first one. I said, I'm going to click on this thing. And I was listening to it on the way to a pro day. And I was like, this is awesome. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is just unbelievable. And you had one of your former quarterbacks on there that, that day. Uh, just, just unbelievable. I loved it. And when Joe had reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it, I said, absolutely, would love to do it. So thanks again for having me. Well, you know that part of the deal is season tickets for Coach Loth and I at the <laughs> new stadium that you guys are going to have in Buffalo, right? Yeah. Hey, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you season tickets to Westcon too, Jimmy. Leaving it up. <laughs> well, it's look, well, let's go back to those 
those times for you gentlemen working uh, together. That that was a mighty talented coaching crew. Uh, of course, people just you know look at the the talent, may look at the results. Um, there, there, I'm sure was some fun involved, Coach Salgado. Oh man, we had a great time. It's two of the best years of my coaching career. Uh, just happened to be my first college job. Uh, we had great people, great players, uh, and for me to come up through that ranks and learn what it's like to be a college coach at that time uh, was something that has been with me ever since and have helped mold me into becoming a good young coach and, and learning how to do things the right way. Joe, what was your first impression of Jim when you met him? Well, well Coach Salgado or Jimmy was coming over from Hoster University where he had played. Now, did you – I don't – I think that was your first coaching job at Western Connecticut, right? Yeah, college-wise, yes, it was. I was helping out that spring and taking some grad classes at Hofstra. That's right. A year after I finished playing, and that's how I ended up at Westcom. Well, obviously, Jimmy came in, and he's, he was a real uh, serious guy as far as wanting to coach college football. And what's interesting in our profession is that first job you take – and, and we had some guys that figured out pretty quick that they didn't want to be a college coach or a, a coach for a living. And, and Jimmy, right off the bat, obviously embraced it. And and uh, you could tell right away, you know, he's going to be a, a college coach or a pro coach for life. And and it is not a lifestyle for everyone. And uh, but obviously, he's he's done a remarkable job. Uh, we should also point out, since Coach Salgado is a uh, a former Hofstra football player, Hofstra another school that went through a name change like Westcott is going through a name change for its, its mascot. Jimmy, you know, we're losing the colonials. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. It's news to me. Yeah. So what's going on? Colonial was canceled, gone, gonzo. So now they've, they've come down to five new names and they're, they're supposed to hopefully decide here the next week or two. Okay. Then Hofstra right. used to be the flying Dutchman and yeah. they, they had to eliminate the Flying Dutchman uh, and and uh, became the pride, right? Yeah, the pride. And, and you know, I got to admit, me, my, my old teammates, I had a few that came up for a couple of games this year, which was awesome. Uh, when we get together, we still get together. They, the guys get together one time a year. Uh, unfortunately, I can't go. It's during Christmas, usually that week before Christmas, and down in uh, Manhattan. They still do a reunion. But, yeah, we still consider ourselves Dutch. (laughs) Kind of like my my Cleveland Indians, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. uh, But I get it. You know, things always don't stay the same and for for whatever reason. But hopefully, I'm sure they'll pick a good name for you guys. And and Hofstra was back in the day when when I was – in college, Hofstra, Fordham, St. John's, uh, there was all this talk. And even the uh, late Yankee owner, George Steinbrenner, was uh, secretly in the background involved because somebody got the notion New York should have higher division football besides Columbia. Okay, Columbia, Ivy League. Uh, there should be more. There should be something happening. Hofstra at that time had a great connection with the Jets of the NFL, so maybe there could be a little money behind that. There was all this intrigue 
and it never happened, Coach Salgado. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, it's tough, you know, obviously playing there. I worked there. Uh, the, the relationships, the people uh, to see. I was just telling somebody, I was at a coach's clinic the other day, and I'm like, we have guys that are in the ring of honor on multiple teams that have played there. Yeah, Wayne Corbett, you know, you right? Think about that now. It's not like it's Ohio State, Penn State. You're talking about Austria football with guys that are in the ring of honor and have had unbelievable careers, and for them to just pull it out from under us was uh, was a tough thing. Sounds so, like it still bothers you. Yeah, it'll come <laughs> back. I, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. I a great location. In a positive way and assume – Hey, you know, hey, positive intent in hey, everything. Hey, Jimmy, and can you give us our, your background a little bit from, from West Con to where you're at? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, after my couple of years at West Con, we went to Boston University. And I was there just for one season. I was there. I left West Con. I was coaching at BU for a year, being a defensive assistant, working with the linebackers, and then made the, got my first full-time gig, quote-unquote, in the coach's world where I was coaching this defensive backs at Millersville University, Division II power in the PSAC. Uh, spent three years there. It was awesome. Won a lot of games. And then left there to go back to Boston to be the secondary coach at Northeastern University, which was still, at that time, the Atlantic 10. And then I spent two years there and then went back to my alma mater, Hofstra, coach for the legend Joe Gardy, my coach, God rest his soul, and, uh, you know, took real good care of me. Why I'm doing what I'm doing, he's a big reason of that. And then after going there for two years, went back to Northeastern for one as the assistant head coach and secondary coach. And after that one year, I landed at Syracuse. Uh, and spent five, four seasons up there, up in Syracuse. Greg Robinson, the late Greg Robinson as well. Uh, another person that I learned from, great, great teacher, great coach, great person. Uh, loved it in Syracuse, my home state. So a dream job for me to be up there. And then after four years there, they made a change. Landed in the Ivy League, Cornell, one season. The head coach there was Jim Knowles. He after the one season, decided to leave and take another job. So that kind of left us. I didn't know what was going to happen. So I kind of liked it there. I liked the Ivy League the one season I was there. And, and the day that Jim Knowles stepped down, the great Bob Sarace, who all you guys know and everybody who has any idea about Westcom football knows, Bob called me. And he was going to interview at Princeton. Said, hey man, I, if I get this job, would you be interested in coming to Princeton? I said, I'm definitely interested. I said, <laughs> right now I'm out of a job. <laughs> and uh, you know, so after telling him what was going on, we waited. He got the job. Next thing you know, I spent seven years at Princeton and made some unbelievable friends. Uh, won a lot of football games. Took a program that was struggling, and it's turned it into you know, a team that's, we won two when I was there. They've won another two since I've left. And uh, the program is as is, is good as you're going to find across the country. And uh, 
after those seven years, I ended up here at Buffalo with Sean McDermott. And I got a chance to meet Sean throughout all these years of coaching, bouncing around through the Bill Walsh minority internship program that the NFL holds. And me and Sean met, I think it was 2003, where he was safety coach at Philly. And I had interned there. And we became friends and always stayed in touch. Brought me down to Carolina when he was there. Him and Ron Rivera, who's also a good mentor of mine. And Sean always told me, he said, hey, if I ever get a chance at a head job in this city, I just want you to know that you're on my list. And this was a few years ago. And I was like, really? You know, I was, I was like, wow. I was like, that's awesome to think about. And you know what? He got his job. And my phone rang and I saw Sean McDermott on it when he got this job. And that's how I ended up here. And now I've been here the last five years. And you were involved with some NFL fellowships along the way yeah. over the years, right, Coach? What what do those entail? Basically, the NFL, the teams will bring in college coaches, guest coaches that will come in. And basically, you're part of the staff. You come in for training camp. Some teams will bring you in for OTAs in the spring and May. Uh, and you're part of the staff. They're going to make you work with a certain position group. Sometimes I worked with special teams. Sometimes I worked with the DBs, the linebackers. And they basically, you're an assistant to that assistant coach. You help him with his everyday work, everyday drills, on the field, charting, whatever they need. You name it, no job too small. You're there to help those guys out and to add value to their staff and uh, and to learn. Because a lot of those places that I went to, I learned a lot and was able to bring back some things that we were able to use, you know, on the staffs that I was at. And to me, it was, you know, I did eight of them. I believe, yeah, eight of them throughout my career. And being in the Ivy, it kind of helped you a little bit when I got in there because you have a little bit longer of a summer so you could stay and met some great people along the way. And that's how kind of that works. And the rest is history. Well, the Bills history, since McDermott, yourself, and some others have been there, has been pretty darn good, drafted well. Uh, things have, have kind of worked out in the in the talent department, but a lot of it has to go in, in the credit department for the coaching staff and the front office for assembling the talent that you've been able to to put together and bring luster back to the Buffalo Bills. It, it had been so long, people forget how good the Bills were Super Bowl after Super Bowl, Coach yeah, Loth, four, right? Four straight, right? Oh, yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, funny thing is, is throughout all these stops, you know, my wife Carolyn's been with me. We've been together since our senior year in college. And we've landed in some certain areas. That two of my kids were born in the same hospital as she was in Syracuse. We lived in Long Island, where her parents are from. She grew up here when she was, after she lived in Syracuse, she moved to Orchard Park as a little kid. That's interesting. And her family are Buffalo Bills fans. So when we first started dating, it was these, those years of the four Super Bowls. So, so here's a question. And it was heartbreaking. Coach, here's a yeah. question for you. So yeah. she grew up a Bills fan. Why don't, what, what team did you root for growing up? 
You know what team I rooted for. <laughs> this color right here, green, New York Jets, I was pulling for. So we always had a little, you know, there was a little bit of this, you know, every once in a while. But when this opportunity came open, it was like, wow, this is, you know, there's, there's some magic happening and somebody upstairs is working some things because to have your first opportunity for us, because we were real happy at Princeton. And rightfully so. I was working for a great guy, and, and it was a great place, and we were winning. But to, to come here to this team, uh, it was a lot easier for me to walk in that door and say, Carolyn, yeah, I might have a chance to go uh, work for an NFL team. Who? The Bills. And she was just like, what? You know? <laughs> now, Jimmy, is Carolyn's uh, parents still in Orchard Parker? No, 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 no. Okay. They're, they're gone, both oh, gone okay. now. But, uh, yeah. We live basically a mile from the house that she. That's pretty cool. Is her family there? For, does she have family? There? No, no more family. All okay. her, her brothers in New Jersey. Both her brothers are in New Jersey, and then her sister was in Chicago. So, uh, yeah, just wild how it works out. Can you take us through a little bit uh, of last year? Because it's kind of the culmination of a lot of hard work, and I, I know some coaches have departed for that blue team. Uh, in, <laughs> in New York. But um, what a great run. Of course, now they've changed the overtime rules for playoffs uh, in, yeah. the, in the NFL. But take us through a little bit uh, of that run, how you guys were, were feeling, how things were, were really coming together for that squad. Yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, you – like anything, there's always going to be your trials and tribulations uh, throughout the season. I don't care where you work. It was, it was some up and down. And we started off with the hype. And we come home, play the opener against Pittsburgh, and you get beat. And you're 0-1, thinking, okay, here we go. You know, and then you have to hear, you know, try to ignore the noise. But, you know, it's out there. Uh, but our guys, we have such a good group, core veterans here. We knew we'd be fine. And uh, eventually we got rolling and, you know, just kind of one of those things where you're just trying to get a little bit better each week. You know, there was some good, it was, we got on a roll and then all of a sudden you head down to Jacksonville who hadn't won a game. Right. And you're thinking, well, we'll be good. And we go down there and get beat nine, six. And now you're coming back home and all right, we got to bounce back. And that's the kind of time team we have, the culture that Sean's built here within our program, uh, you just get back to work. You get back on that horse and get riding and good things are going to happen. You know, we have a tough, resilient group here, you know, that are going to show up every day to blue collar, work hard, right? Master the fundamentals. There's no trickery. There's no, well, this, this is kind of magic formula. No, it's roll your sleeves up, work hard. Be committed, do the little things, uh, and that's players, coaches, everyone within our organization. We always say playoff caliber. Right, I have my T-shirt on underneath it. It's too bad I, if I take it off, but it's from the first year, right? And I remember I walked into the coach's locker room. There's this, every locker has a shirt hanging playoff caliber, and then it's all over our building. And playoff caliber is how we do everything everything that you do, right? From the way you prepare, the way you come to meetings, the way you're in the dining hall, the way you communicate, whatever it is that you're doing, you're in the weight room, 
it's playoff caliber. That, that's how it's got to be. And that was set from day one from Sean. And our players know it. And if we do that, it gives us a chance to compete for championships, right? And when we make it to the playoffs, then a championship caliber. Now it's that. And that's where that's the next piece of it that, that we got to get done. Coach Jim Salgado is with us here on the Westcon Football Podcast, former Westcon assistant coach, now uh, for the past several years has been part of the stellar staff of the Buffalo Bills of the NFL. Coach, not every team likes to have somebody referred to as the face of a franchise, but Josh Allen, your QB, has sort of become that for for the Buffalo Bills. And I can remember there's a sports writer, uh, one of the premier guys, he's for the most part semi-retired now in Florida. But I can remember when it the draft was coming up in that particular year, and I talked with Kevin Kernan, formerly of the New York Post, and I said, who should the Giants go after for a QB? Or even yeah, if the Jets want to take a look at somebody. And he said, there's only one person that I would take, and I would take him real early because he's going to be oh so good. And it's Josh Allen. And Kevin, who I talk to frequently, reminds me every football season, uh, who told you about Josh Allen? Who told you about Josh Allen? This guy has really turned into something extra special. I know you're a defensive guy, but you you got to be sitting back sometimes going, oh, well, isn't that nice? i tell you what, uh, what a great human being uh, to be around him every day and see how he handles himself. It's it's unbelievable uh, from when he got here to where he's at now. And things haven't changed when we talk about playoff caliber. The way he communicates, the way he's with his teammates, practice, the way he prepares, it's, it's just spot on, steady, consistent. And you, know, you see him out there in front of the fans when we have fans before COVID hit. The guy wouldn't leave until he basically signed every autograph for every kid that was out there. And it's just, you know, that's the type of guy he is. And that's what you, that's what we all hope for, I would think, as a fan of, of, of your team. When you're there, you want to see those guys. Not only are they great players, but good people in the community. Uh, hey. What he's all about. Hey, Jimmy, question for you. Biggest yeah. difference coaching in the NFL as opposed to coaching in college? What What's surprised you? Uh, I would say the the biggest difference from coaching in college to to the pros now, if I would say off the field would be the recruiting part of it, right? You're not running around during that time that you're getting on planes and going to find kids and all that you don't have to do as a pro coach, you still go out and evaluate guys. I have to go to pro days and private workouts, but it's for two or three guys, not hundreds where you're running around. I think from coaching with the players and, and to me, it's the players want to be coached. There's, I think there's a stigma sometimes or these guys that make a lot of money. Maybe they don't want to be in the meeting. They don't, 
how much are they going to take coaching? They want to get coached and they want to be, they don't care who you are, what you look like, what your experience was. If you can help them, they're going to listen. And there's really, really good, good guys in this building. I know that I can only speak for this building. These guys want to be coached. They have a great work ethic. Uh, we have great relationships here. And that's what it's all coaching's about, right? The relationships you have with your guys, you know what I mean? And they know that you care about them and they care about you. You got a chance, you know what I mean? Because the scheme part of it, you know, Joe, I mean, scheme is scheme. Teams are four, three, three, four, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, there's got to be that, that connection, that bond between coach, player, player, coach, everybody on the same page. And you know you have that. You got a chance. Coach you Salgado, you said, you said no recruiting really goes on in the pros. There's a big difference. Hey, I, didn't Allen help recruit a defensive player for you guys in Von Miller? Hey, I'm saying coaches. Coaches <laughs> going out recruiting. I don't know anything about that other stuff. But, uh, I know one thing. We don't, uh, you know, you got to be coaching in college. And Joe knows this because he's one of the best at doing it. And I learned from him when I got there. You got to recruit. If you don't recruit, it don't matter what you know. Before I left Princeton, I used to say in, in our defensive staff room, and we had the board with all our top recruits, before we got ready for the game, whoever we were playing that week, every week we'd look at that board. I'd say, who do you need me to call to the other coaches on their kids? So I said, that's the most important thing. Yeah, because who's, who's ever got best, oh. the better players generally wins the, wins the football games as long as everything else is done right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Memories of Westcon. I want to take you back a little bit more. Memories of, of Westcon, maybe some players you remember or some moments so, so you Jim, remember? Yeah, Jimmy, real quick. So uh, Lapa was on last week, Paul Lapalise, and he talked yep. about making $4,000, okay, as, oh, a, yeah. as a part-time assistant coach. Like we we had some other guys that, that made $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and what would you say about being a young coach, not making, because I got a bunch of guys on my staff that make a little more than that, but, but, uh, you know, doing the same things that we did as young coaches trying to make it in this business, what would you say to those guys? I would tell them, forget about, don't even think about salary. You're there to add value to the staff. How am I going to add value to Coach Loth and the rest of that coaching staff? How am I going to prepare and learn and do the extra little things to make myself the best coach I could be? And not just X and O's, but recruiting with relationships with the players because the players have to respect you and know that you care about them and they will play. My biggest, one of the biggest things I have, I have a list of guys that I've worked with, right? And if I ever had a position where I was hiring people, I always wanted guys that I knew. I'm like, man, they loved play. They played for that guy. I don't care what the scheme was. All I know is when his guys went out to play, they played hard. And I think for as a young coach, that's what you want. I really believe that, that my guys are prepared. They play hard. And I add value to the staff. 
no job is too small, Joe. You remember when yeah. we, golly, we had to do everything. <laughs> and we didn't have that building, you know, until I, I think I left. Yeah, I did have the stadium. Night. We got a new stadium and everything. Yeah. yeah, I saw pictures. I have it open behind here right yeah. now, the picture in the stadium. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> we, our, our, our field was a dirt, you know, until they put that turf down. And we had that noise oh. in the basement of Berkshire going off. and Oh, my gosh, that down in White Hall. <laughs> we were all underneath there in that That's one Berkshire. office. Hey, what a, Berkshire? Hey, yeah, hey but um, once again, what, what are some stories you remember from Westcott? Anything that, that uh, funny, good, bad, makes you laugh? Uh, I think one would be the one year that I lived, that first year with Mike Brennan, Paul Apolis. <laughs> we were talking about that last week. The apartment off campus. Campbell Lake, <laughs> out in an apartment. Oh, my gosh. Uh, just, I mean, our check basically went to rent. I, I don't even know how. Thank God we had a meal card, <laughs> right? Uh, we were able to eat. But some of the times that we had out there were just uh, unbelievable. I remember, gosh, beating King's Point at King's Point our second year and turning the corner yep. and seeing the kids come out onto the field. And I mean, just knowing that, all right, we had a winning season from what, I think our first year, Joe, we were one and nine. Yeah, yeah, I forgot when I was with Paul, talking with Paul last week, I forgot we went one and nine. Year two, we went six and four and really turned it around from yeah. there. Yeah. Here, and, You know, uh, the thing I remember about Jimmy is, is he had a classic car, had the Cordoba. Uh, <laughs> with, oh, with the rich <laughs> Corinthian leather, it was it was my first car, and it was a '76 Chrysler Cordoba. And this is the right. '90s now. We're in the '90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, that was my car. And Did it, it come with a picture of Ricardo Montalban in it? Oh my gosh, it might have been in there, but I think it was locked in the glove compartment. I couldn't get it open. I remember the story too. I remember we, because we worked for a guy named John Servino, who was, you know, pretty much a taskmaster. I had to be there in time and all that. So he wasn't always on time, but we had to be there in time. Mm. One time <laughs> we see the taxi cab pull up and Jimmy <laughs> took, a, took a taxi back then when there wasn't a lot of taxis to the office that day just because the Cordoba wasn't working for him. Yeah. She, 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 she refused to start that morning and, uh, had to find a way. And all I remember is, is Coach Servino saying, well, where were you? And I was like, well, I had a little problem with my car. And he really didn't care about my car. And he just said, I think you better be working so you can recruit. I said, yes, sir. We'll get it fixed. Yeah. But, yeah, well, we that, had some great times. Uh, that that might be the, the funnest part of coaching when you, when you are a young coach making no money, living in squalor working a hundred hours a week. Those are probably where the best stories get developed sometimes. Oh yeah. I remember us driving in the state car and going to games and, oh man, just so many things, you know, driving home after a game, and the road trips and, you know, what's wild is too, is about the relationships going back to that. I mean, Tommy Del Vecchio. Yeah. Uh, so you guys, I know you remember that name. Young know, man back from Long Island, where I'm from, and we have a camp. My brother has a camp back in my hometown that we do for the youth. And we were just talking about yesterday's. So we're setting the dates for this year. But uh, Tommy came a year ago and bought his son, yeah, which sense. is like holy smokes! You know, there was a guy that I coached many moons ago, 
and now he's bringing his son to youth camp in my hometown. And you talk about getting a chance to see him was just unbelievable. Uh, Dave Corson. Yeah. You guys remember Dave Corson? Dave came to our game in uh, Jacksonville. He bought his two boys. We hooked up in the end zone. You know, we've stayed in contact constantly uh, since then. He came, you know, he was in Tampa when we played Tampa. I saw him again, came by a hotel because he's down in Florida. And uh, he's a big runner. I've been running a lot. So we, we exchange a lot of training stuff and it's been good. And so those relationships. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Real. And he's talking about the guys he coached. Like Tommy was his will linebacker and Corson was a Sam linebacker. I think Des was your middle linebacker. Des right? middle linebacker who still stays in contact. All those guys. I mean, you know, you want to talk about why you coach. I'll never forget Desmond hit me last year and just sent me a message and just said, coach, I just want you to know I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for you. Believe it in me. He's the first recruit I ever signed in my career. And you know, what's interesting about those two guys, especially uh, uh, Tommy and, and uh, Des is they're two of the biggest supporters uh, financially for one thing, but also Mm -hmm. just in the program themselves behind the scenes and, and uh, you know, so the, the, the relationship obviously goes both ways and that, that we think we give to them as coaches, but they they get to a point where they can really give back and, and impact our current guys too. No doubt about it. Desi Cabrera, Tom Del Vecchio, the two of the absolute finest and, of course, and it goes without saying. Uh, Coach Salgado, I, I'm concerned about – just one thing. It, I, no, 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 no. And it has nothing to do with the taxpayers footing another 183 gazillion for the stadium. <laughs> God bless you. You deserve it. Okay. The bills are the bills. But the one thing I'm concerned about here is that you bring in a Vaughn Miller. You always seem to find, since McDermott has taken over and you've been with the with the Bills, you always seem to find these little somebody leaves, you find another piece, you find another piece, you find another piece. Can you pass that knowledge along to some other needful teams down mm-hmm. in our neck of the woods? Maybe northeastern it, Ohio. Uh, you know, <laughs> what I'm getting to is what I'm getting to is hey, are you are you still friends enough with Dable and some of the other people who have left for the Giants to maybe say, hey, guys, yeah, here's how you can help yourselves? It would make for a great rivalry, Giants-Bills. Yeah, I think, Dave's. you guys are in good hands. He's, he's a great guy. Uh, love him. Love him to death. We had a lot of fun here. Uh, and he's a Buffalo guy. Grew up in West Seneca, right down the street, went to high school right here. So he's coming down there. He he knows how to get it done. And the Giants fans should be excited. Plus Joe Shane, another great guy, great family. Uh, our kids are about the same age, our boys, and love being around him. We'll miss both those guys here and, and, and a couple of guys that were here on staff that went down there, you know. But uh you you got you should be excited. I can tell you that. You should be excited. There's going to be good things probably coming down there soon. Now, now Jimmy, quick question. Jalen, football kid? Does he play football? Yeah, he played. Well, he played here. 
Okay. Right. Uh, in Orchard Park, graduated here, Jalen. Uh, he graduated from high school. Yep. Wow. And he's a freshman now at Penn State. Okay, that's cool. So yeah, he's going to school there. He's not playing anything uh, right now. Kind of believe he's going to end up going through the communications major. It looks like, but uh, we'll see. You know, uh, you know how freshmen are. Yeah. Kind of feeling it out and then my daughter is a sophomore here at orchard park high school and lacrosse season and my little guy is in seventh grade and playing modified lacrosse so we're we're busy we're busy you know now you got you have a draft coming up you got all these other things coming up um can you can you tip us off? How is there is there really a war room in the National Football? Are there, you know, like we, you know, we'll see on commercials or in movies. Is there a real war room to determine how drafts are going to go, or what's on the board, what's not on the board? Yeah, I think I think all the teams have. You know, I can only speak, you know, for us. But I've been at some other organizations, but usually they're personnel department they have their room and kind of where we go when we're about to make the pick uh that will kind of be bought in and then you kind of wait and see who gets picked from there but uh those 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 decisions and all those things now I, i'm kind of in the background just hanging out and, uh, <laughs> enjoying the we day do right? our work we do our work you know and, and evaluating i just actually finished with safeties uh this morning but Putting all that in order, those guys, that's their job to handle that down the, down the hall from us, you know, and uh, the powers that be. And then eventually when you get to that pick, they'll make that pick. And when they do, he's a built, and he's going to be part of the family and they'll bring him in here and then get ready to roll. Do they, do they ever nudge you in advance, maybe ask your opinion on a on a defensive player, especially the secondary? Yeah, they they – they, they can ask you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's why we do all this work, right? <laughs> you do it and it's, you're looking at a lot of guys, but at the end of the day, you want to be thorough. You know, not only just tape, but background, all the different things that, that go into it. No different than recruiting, right? You know, when you're recruiting a young man, it's we all get seduced by physical skills at times. And, uh, there's more to it into why you're winning and why Joe's having that kind of success down there at Westcon? Uh, it goes more to just the actual talent. And it's about fit. It's about quality of that young person that's coming into your program and how he's going to fit in with your other players that are already there. And the positional stuff, that's all, you know, every coach will have what they think they need. But at the end of the day, it's about fit first. And, and making sure that they fit all the things that Joe's looking for in a Western Connecticut football player. To me, that's the most important. Then the physical tools will come in from there. So for both of you guys, character counts, right? Without a question. Without a Absolutely. question. Well, you know, on the coaching staff and on the team, work way, too, work, work way too many hours to be around guys you just can't stand to be around. And yeah. it's kind of the same with players. I mean, you want to coach guys that are want to be play football, want to coach guys that are good players on the field, off the field, want to coach guys that are great teammates. I mean, it's no different anywhere. Well, I, I have to tell you, it's 
this is this is a real pleasure to get to play catch up. It's been marvelous as this podcast series has gone on to see all the wonderful success that some players have had in terms of continuing in, in football, but to see the coaches, it's. Uh, I think Coach Loth brought this up in the past. Coach Salgado, it's like a, a Westcon was a coaching academy for so many individuals, and not to say you haven't learned elsewhere, but it, we're we're proud to say you were you're part of Westcon's uh, past, and your presence is still felt in the fabric of Westcon football to this day with Coach Loth and his crew. I appreciate that. Like I said earlier, uh, those two years there helped shape me as a young ball coach, not knowing anything or what it takes to be a, a ball coach. And you figure it out, like Joe said, quickly. Uh, but I know one thing, when people always ask me where I've coached, the first place I say is Western Connecticut, right? And anybody that knows anything, especially up here in the Northeast, they're going to know where Western Connecticut is. You might talk to some people who aren't from this area of the country. And, well, where is that? But that's the first place I say, because that's the place that helped shape me and mold me to become the coach that I am now. And I still got great relationships with Joe, with Paul, Kirk Sharaka, Tim Weaver, John Servi, you know, you can go on and on and on. And with the players that I got to coach there, uh, still great relationships. And that's what it's all about. That's why we got into coaching. You know, I don't want to talk for Joe, but I know for me, that's why I got into coaching, the love of the game and what the game has done for me and my brothers, uh, you know, I can only hope to give part of that back. That's why I do it. Yeah, super unique sport we coach. It really is. Before we run away, I have to ask this ultimate question. I'll understand if you, you know, if you want to take the fifth on this. Uh-oh. But how did you vote when it came to the Candlewood Lake House? How did you vote? Did you vote for cable TV or phone? <laughs> Which one did you vote for? I think we voted uh Cable. Yeah, you guys did. That's a lot. Yeah, okay. Cable. All, all right. the way. What do we need a phone for? I work all day. <laughs> Who was I going to call? Oh, I told my wife. I told her. I said, hey, if you're going to call me, you better call me while I'm at work. Where I made all my calls there before I went home. I well, needed cable. You know, I needed an escape. <laughs> Coach Salgado, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's uh, It's great to see you again. It's been great to follow your success and we wish you even more as these uh, seasons continue, but especially going into this one as you've made some more fine tuning. Uh, And and now that the overtime rules are clear for everyone in the (laughs) postseason, we're we're hoping things uh, will continue to go Buffalo's way. You've made us awfully proud and just as you continue to mention uh, Western Connecticut, first and foremost on your on your coaching resume, uh, you are one of those who is first and foremost in our minds here as being 
an individual who has helped mold, not just helped to mold a Westcon football program with the likes of Coach Loth and others, but uh, helped to shape a Westcon athletics mentality that exists today. Uh, it's it's about the student athletes. It's about learning, and uh, hopefully. Some W's along the way. I can't make a W with my fingers. A W's <laughs> along the way. But, Coach, we can't thank you enough, man. Yeah, Jimmy, appreciate you coming thank on you. today. Really do. Thanks, Bart. Thanks, Joe. I loved it. I love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. I'll be listening from afar. And, you know, if you guys ever need anything, I'm up here. And just give me a holler. Sounds good. Back to wrap up the Westcon Football Podcast. Bart Pasterna with Coach Joe Loth and uh, Jeepers, I, I am today not wearing Westcon gear. Uh, the Danbury Westerners donated a, a sweatshirt. They just won a championship. Uh, they'll be heading into a new season in June in the New England Collegiate Baseball League. Some Westcon peeps have played for them. And uh, just on my, on my behalf, Bart, I am looking for XL stuff. I, I do not I, have I appreciate XL stuff that. here. I am scrounging through I'm, every bit of Westcon stuff I have right now. I just do not have an XL. Thing. It's it's. I understand, Coach. Something may, something may be on order, though. Let me just put that. <laughs> Coach is resplendent. It is Westcon gear, and we were glad to talk to a guy who's uh, always thinking Westcon when he's uh, not busy with his Buffalo Bills, Coach Jim Salgado. You're in the midst of uh, your spring campaign. Yeah, we're excited. We, really, for the first time in the history of Division Three football, we are allowed to have helmets and uppers, 16 practices. In the past, we could have 16 practices, but you couldn't put helmets on and you couldn't put shoulder pads on, except for the COVID spring, which is a little bit different. So as a, uh, you know, a, a level of football, we're excited to, to, to continue to improve our level of football, like professionally, meaning – we can do what everyone else can do now, so we're excited to get better this spring and hopefully uh, you know, get our team better. Remind people how they can stay in touch with the Westcon Football Podcast? Well, two things. Anybody who wants to come out to spring practice, it's every Tuesday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the stadium. Come out and watch us if you want. And then if you want to get in touch with us, uh, football at wcsu.edu. If you got a suggested guest for us or if there's some topics you maybe you want us to cover, well, we want to thank everybody for their feedback so far. We appreciate it beyond belief. We'll have more guests coming your way. This has been the Westcon Football Podcast. Let's go. The Westcon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Media, and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening. WCSU.